Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host... Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. We are honored by your presence here today. Today is, of course, a Miracles virtual class with Robert Rosenthal, MD. Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts presented in the course. I'm trying to get around some technical issues today, so the audio might be a little off. But today we'll be discussing Chapter 16, Section 7, The End of Illusion, Paragraph 6 through 12. Okay, if you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's Board of Directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist on his new position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of Bill Fetford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, a transformational journey of exodus from the flavor of ego to the promised land of spirit. The book interprets the biblical story of Moses and Pharaoh as a parable of the man's struggle to escape the ego and identify once again with spirit. It is recommended you read this book prior to studying A Course in Miracles or to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the abstract concepts presented. You can read excerpts at FromPlaceToMiracles.com, and we look forward to your feedback on the sub, on, on the segments. Okay, I'm switching back to the phone. Good idea. Yes. Let's welcome Dr. Bob to the show. Dr. Bob, can you hear me? Yes, this is much better. You were coming in very low and uneven, so I think what you just corrected is the way to go for today. Yeah. And I'll just much, reread much the uh, intro. Yeah. Okay, so we're getting around that. How are you? Welcome <laughs> back to the show, and Happy New Year. Thank you, and a Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners as well. Uh, If you're listening live, of course, if it's archived, 
you might as well consider every day a new year. And, uh, you know, what's that saying? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So happy new year to you, too. There you go. <laughs> okay. So we're at the end of the end of illusions. This is exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it really is kind of, I mean, we had devoted pretty much all of last year, I think, uh, 2017, to reading Chapter 16, which focuses on the special relationship. And this is kind of the wind-up. You know, we've got, I don't know, six paragraphs, seven paragraphs left. And, uh, you know, I'm trusting that we'll get through that today. And uh, the finale mm-hmm. here... Um, there's a little bit of history too, which we'll share when, uh, we get there. But, um, but, you know, if you are listening to this for the first time, I would absolutely recommend that at the very least you go back and read, you know, this, this, this section seven from its, in its entirety from the beginning and, you know, better still, um, go back and start listening to our segments where we started reading in chapter 16 and follow it along because this is one of those sections of A Course in Miracles where um, it builds on previous material. So, you know, they're, they're not so much direct references, but the ideas being discussed have been discussed before and built up in, in a logical sequence. So, I would, again, just strongly encourage you, you know, go check out the archive talks, go back to the the first one from Chapter 16, and uh, follow along from there. Um, but if you're tuning in live, stay with us, because, you know, you'll get something one way or the other. Absolutely. And I've been getting good feedback that it's really helpful for people to read along with us and then hear what we have to say about it. So um, I'm thrilled that we're able to provide this service for everybody really great yeah absolutely i i it, this is my preferred way of learning teaching studying a course in miracles i i've been in some study groups where long sections are read and then everyone goes back the course is just it, it's so dense in its information and there's such a powerful transmission that comes through the words that it, you know in my experience reading a paragraph then discussing it then reading another one is is the most effective learning tool because you're you're dealing with each each paragraph fresh. You can't focus on it line by line. I mean, I guess you could because the lines are in context. But if you go paragraph by paragraph, you get a lot of meaning out of it. And of course, you can always, you know, at the end swoop back over for a, a, an overview and a summary of uh, how all the paragraphs hang together. But I think this is a very good learning um, process, Char. That, that we've been doing, and um, I, I've actually been trying to follow it in other groups as well. Excellent. Okay. Good All right. So Should we just jump in? We, yeah. So, you know, maybe a little bit of a summary. I mean, this is special relationship territory. Um, you know, in A Course in Miracles speak, a special relationship is one that you've chosen out of your identification with your ego. And it's always for the purpose of getting something, even if it feels like it's giving the notion of sacrifice is still getting something in that, you know, you're sort of transferring guilt from you to another person. Um, You know, it's, it's sort of an unholy bargain and 
Every single one of us does it. I don't believe it is possible to have been born into a body on planet Earth and grow up and not have special relationships because it, it's all we know. So what's being discussed here is, once again, very, very um, radical material. And I would just encourage you, if it feels frightening, understand that it does that all about maximizing our experience of love in every single relationship we have. And I do mean that everyone, whether it's you're walking down the street and some kid looks at you and, you know, makes a face at you being able to experience love there um, and, 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 and improving your relationship with your um, life partner or your children, you know, those relationships that are so intimate and close and near and dear that um, that they're just chock full of specialness, special likes, special love, special can't stand when he does this. Uh, so this is a, a curriculum for all of us. If as a lot, of, you know, a lot of people read this stuff and go, oh, I feel really guilty. I've really been screwing it up. No, the purpose is to see what's there. We can't correct it until we know what's there. So I'd just like to, you know, encourage everyone as you're following along with the reading to receive it in that spirit. You know, we're, we're going into the dilapidated rundown house where there's the windows haven't let in any light and we've got our flashlights and we're going to be opening up some windows and airing it out and letting the sun in. But when we do that, we're going to discover some ugliness. We're going to discover places that haven't been taken care of for a long time. And, and there's always, you know, kind of this inclination to go, oh, my gosh, do I really want to? Yeah, you, you, you know, we've got to see it before we can clean it up. And the cleanup can take uh, as, as long or as short as is most effective. Um, I've had relationships that I've had to be cleaning up for 40 years. So, you know, uh, and, and, and running. So, you know, we have to practice forgiveness of ourselves as well as others um, when we're studying A Course in Miracles. So yeah, that and said, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, that's the meaning of life is to learn, to, and it's about love and getting closer to God and, and the holiness within you. So how, what what other school would you go to than like earth school, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, I know oh, uh, this is about A Course in Miracles, but I remember um, a different channel, the Cryon channel, um, back in the 90s saying, oh, Earth, it, it, it's like the most elite, you know, spiritual learning experience there is. You know, on, out on the other dimensional worlds, when people see that, you know, you've gone through the Earth experience, they're just totally awed and blown away. Like, wow, you did that? And um, I take some heart in that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I did that uh, hundreds of yeah, times. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I must be a glutton for punishment. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we feel like we're slow learners, but in truth, we're probably on a very fast track. And I would say if you have even any interest in A Course in Miracles, much less if you are actively studying it, you are on a very fast track. Um, in my mm -hmm. experience, this is the most direct route up the mountain that I know of, and therefore it's steep, you know. But as you climb, you get better and better views. It all depends on your usage of time. Yes. Time is exactly. an energy field, and, and your use of it, you can determine how long it takes you to recognize, you know, accept, re and release what it is that needs to be released. And so yes. 
on we go, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's even okay to recognize a problem that you're not ready to deal with and say to the Holy Spirit or Jesus, you know, I'm not ready for this one. Can we kind of put it in escrow for a little bit, put it in a lockbox and bring it around later when I'm really ready for it? And that is acceptable. You're not saying you're not going to work with it. You're recognizing your lack of readiness and then ask Holy Spirit to bring to you whatever other specialness or unforgivingness um, you might have greater readiness to work on. And that's how we do it. Um, that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Should I start reading? or? Sure. Go right ahead. And then we're going to, what right. we're going to do is we're going to use a paragraph 12 as our prayer for today. That is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds just perfect. So we're on paragraph six. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. So against the ego's insane notion of salvation, the Holy Spirit gently lays the holy instant. We said before that the Holy Spirit must teach through comparisons and uses opposites to point to truth. The holy instant is the opposite of the ego's fixed belief in salvation through vengeance for the past. In the holy instant, it is understood that the past is gone, and with its passing, the drive for vengeance has been uprooted and has disappeared. The stillness and the peace of now enfold you in perfect gentleness. Everything is gone except the truth. Ooh, so this is another one That's of those, beautiful. you know, simple little mm-hmm. paragraphs that just delivers the whole wallop right, <laughs> in, in, mm-hmm. right in one fell swoop. Um, you know, so instead of what the ego offers us, which we have bought into and and operated from pretty much our entire lives with the exceptions of, you know, probably a few beautiful moments. In contrast to that, um, the Holy Spirit gives us uh, the holy instant. Now, I have heard people define the holy instant in in many, many different ways um, from, gee, it's a pleasant interlude where I feel unusually relaxed to it's the direct you know, full-on experience of God and God's oneness and love. And and I'm not going to get into the business of trying to define the holy instant, except to say that in this in this paragraph, it's pretty clear that it's a pure experience of now. It's a pure experience of the present. Um, this is something that Eckhart Tolle would very, very much endorse, and you know, in his book, The Power of Now. And what it's saying is that. When we experience the present, and and notice, it's not our decision. It's not ego going, boy, that present thing, that sounds really cool. That sounds really special. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to tell all my friends that I meditate, and I experience the present, and, you know, how great am I? It's not that at all. It's recognizing that what is happening that you have linked to the past is all illusion and that it can be blown away by the clear wind of the Holy Spirit in any moment that you make the decision that that's what you want and then turn to him and say, you know, take this from me and look upon it for me. Um, A quote from a different part of the course, chapter 19. Uh, 
when that happens, we open to the experience of the present, which is where the Holy Spirit lives. You know, the Holy Spirit can see into our world. Remember, he is the bridge between the worlds, the, the, the section that we read um, just before this one, the end of illusions. So he can bridge it, but he exists in the present, only in the present, because that's the only place God exists. The past is sort of, you know, this, this concatenation of what we think is memory in our head. It doesn't exist. I mean, anyone will tell you the past doesn't exist. And yet we rely on it for our interpretation of every single thing that's happening. So what this is saying is, you know, the holy instant is the opposite of the ego's fixed belief in salvation through vengeance for the past. Now, vengeance for the past sounds like a pretty difficult term to get around. And I, I have to admit, this is one that um, I've had a lot of difficulty with, too. You know, we don't think we're taking vengeance for anything. But if you think about every action that you take that has been determined by something that's happened in the past, and that you are reacting to that, in a sense, your reaction is a form of vengeance. Something happened that you didn't like and you are compensating for it and taking a different course of action, which is an attempt to undo what that was in the past and make it work out differently. Um, you know, the course pulls no punches. So when it talks about vengeance, uh, you know, our egos go, what? No, no, you know, I'm not trying to get vengeance. But when we really look at the fact that we come into our day-to-day -day life completely positioned by our past experience, then, yeah, everything we're doing, and in particular all of our relationships, become a way of trying to compensate for or take vengeance from the past. The Holy Spirit teaches us a different path through comparisons and uses opposites to point to truth. What does that mean? Well, you know, um, what it means is that the Holy Spirit can show you what you're doing and say, how's that feel? Um, or to quote Sarah Palin, how's that working out for you? Uh, and <laughs> this is how we learn. You know, when we can go, oh, you know, I tried this relationship and that didn't work out terribly well. So I went and did something completely different, taking vengeance for the past again. And you know what? That didn't work out any better. So I went and did this. You know, I started with dark-haired guys and then I went to you know, blonde haired guys. And then I decided the heck with guys, I'm going to try women. And then I decided I'm just going to get myself a dog. Um, you know, each one ultimately gets to a place of, well, that didn't really get me what I want. And the reason, I mean, this is the Holy Spirit teaching us what we want through the experience of shining a light on what we thought we wanted and didn't work. And each time we go through one of those, we're actually moved that much closer to the acceptance and the recognition that the only thing we really want is forgiveness. Um, and forgiveness is just stripping away the illusions so that we can finally have the, the experience of the love of God. Um, the Course tells us in Lesson 127, there is no love but the love of God. In other words, every little fragment of love that you experience, it, it's really all ultimately the love of God. And it has no specialness. You know, it's there in everyone just as it's there in us. And we find it in us by seeing it in everyone else. Um, so this is how the Holy Spirit teaches by opposites. And, um, and, and the end result, the final line of the paragraph, which I really love, the stillness and the peace of now enfold you in perfect gentleness 
everything is gone except the truth. Well, there it is. That's that's the end game. That's why we're doing this. You know, everything is gone except the truth. And what does that truth feel like? Stillness and peace of now. Perfect gentleness and perfect love. Mm. All right, that was my sermon. My <laughs> goodness, you knocked that out yeah. of the park. Yeah, you know, when it comes my. through, it comes through. Yeah, it flows. Okay. I have a little bit to add, and maybe Please. you know, in my in my own Charlotte way. Uh, for my notes, I have for me the power of the Holy Spirit's ability in His gentleness to help you see the truth is clearly demonstrated here. Only by looking at opposites can you find clarity in your goal for peace. The special relationship you entered into in the hopes of discovering true love outside of yourself has brought you pain instead of glory. Vengeance and salvation cannot coexist in the same space in your heart. Therefore, that's where the conflict is. In the holy instant lies your recognition that a non-existent past and an obsession with rectifying it is gone. What you are left with is what you sought all along, peace in the now. And I also want to point out that since we're looking at opposites, I'm in terms of reaction to something that happens in the present, we're always going to react from our conditioning. One of those opposites is for and against. You're either for something or you're against it. Either way, it's a judgment. And so there may be something in your past that you're against having a repeat experience of. It could be some kind of dynamic between you and your parents or siblings. It could be something that happened in school. But we work very hard to not let the past repeat. And then there could be something good from your past that you keep trying to recreate. And so this for and against thing is like the the springboard from which we dive into our lessons. Does that make sense? Oh, that was perfect. I mean, that's very, very eloquent. And and I'm glad you mentioned we can be for or against, but that is the illusion of opposites that characterizes this duality that we live in. This, this, you mm-hmm. know, this ego's world that seems to offer us so many choices, but they're all false choices. Um, and so, even if the past says, "Oh, that was great. I want more of it," it's still an illusion for two reasons. One, I guarantee you, when it happened. Um, it wasn't as purely wonderful as you thought. Um, and if it was, it's not because of what was really happening. It's because of the fantasies that were going on in your mind that you overlaid it with. Um, mm. Two, you're never going to be able to get back to that. You know, it's like that idea of you can't bathe in the same river twice. You know, I mean, that's that's gone. The you that had that is gone. The them that you were with is gone. So you can't repeat that either. So in a way, um, you know, when we tie ourselves to a past experience, seemingly positive or seemingly negative, yeah, we're we're putting you know shackles on our on our feet. Um, but the, I, I, I love what you were saying because that that for or against, it's a false dichotomy. You know, either way, um, you know, we're we're still in ego's world. Yeah, um, you know, and still judging. It, Good, bad. It reminds me, um, there was a very famous psychiatrist by the name of Milton Erickson who did a lot of, you know, sort of hypnosis and sometimes when people weren't even aware of it. And one of his favorite strategies was to offer people a false choice because we like to think we have choices. Um, and I used to do this with my kids. Well, you know, you got to go to bed, but I'll tell you what, you can go to bed now or you can go to bed in five minutes 
Um, or we can read a little bit of a story and you can go to bed in 10 minutes. Which one do you want? You know, and the kids would be like, oh, yeah, 10 minutes and a story. So it feels like their choice, but it's a false choice. They all lead to you're going to go to bed. Well, the ego does that, but in a much more malevolent way. The ego is like, you know, choose which of these illusions you love, which one of these represents truth, which one of these represents happiness, and you choose it, and then it goes, aha, gotcha. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so since we're covering for and against and those particular judgments, let's talk about neutrality for a minute. Because to be neutral can be very difficult because of our preferences and our fears and our hopes. So there's always that longing, you know, to get what you want and avoid what you don't want. So I see, excuse me, I see neutrality as a process of faith and trusting God. So when something mm. is happening in front of you for, to, for you to observe, the trick is, and, and you can do this, I've, I've done it, and um, you, once you get more successful at it, it becomes a practice. Um, when you, we take everything personally, when you move from personal to impersonal and then observe rather than directly interact, whether that's verbally or, or with your physical presence um, or emotionally. It's like, you know, when, when, you're, when you're having a dream and you're very emotionally charged by it. So mm. we get emotionally charged by situations and things that we observe if you can manage to stay in observation mode in an impersonal way just to hear someone out or observe what's happening, whatever the situation is, then you you can remain neutral and allow God to choose how you experience that. So you can have a deeper experience of truth in the moment by being impersonal and neutral in your judgment and just seeing it for what it is, and allowing Holy Spirit to interpret it for you. That's all I want to yeah, add to I that. Mean, I think that's great. Um, that really is, I mean, what you just described is actually the process of forgiveness. You know, it starts with the recognition that we don't know what anything means, and of course in Miracles tells us that to the extent that we're identified with our ego self, which pretty much we all are, um, that we don't have a clue what anything means in large measure because we are seeing it as the past. You know, one of the very early workbook lessons is, you know, I see only the past. Um, you know, look around. Every single thing in your field of vision you, you have a name for, which you learned some point ago, time ago. You, um, you know what it does or what it's for. You know how it got there. Well, you know, that's all the past. That's not neutrality. So the idea of being neutral, being kind of that fair witness, that observer self, is, is essential. And we can only get there when we say, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know what anything means. I will step back and let him lead the way. And in a sense, turn over our world of perception to the Holy Spirit for, you know, his interpretation. And the cool thing mm -hmm. is when we do that... Um, not only are we more at peace, we, we, open, up, we open up for miracles. Um, you know, people change in ways that, you know, just shouldn't happen. Um, you know, someone who you thought was a total jerk suddenly says something that, you know, speaks to your very soul and you now feel a connection with him or her that you, that you never felt before. Um, 
because we open a path by, 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 by relinquishing our own judgments and going to that neutral place, we open a path for spirit and love to come back in. And when they do, we see in our you know, sisters and brothers, what the Course says our brothers, um, what we see in them is uh, only love. Beautiful. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think we milked that first paragraph pretty well. Um, maybe I we should so. move on. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to paragraph seven. Here we go. For a time, you may attempt to bring illusions into the holy instant to hinder your full awareness of the complete difference in all respects between your experience of truth and illusions. Yet you will not attempt this long. In the holy instant, the power of the Holy Spirit will, will prevail because you joined him. The illusions you will bring with you will weaken the experience of him for a while and will prevent you from keeping the experience in your mind. Yet the holy instant is eternal, and your illusions of time will not prevent the timeless from being what it is, nor you from experiencing it as it is. So what I get out of this is that once your perception has been corrected, you can't fully go back to a previous misperception. You can try, and you might make several attempts. Sometimes we do this just to prove we're not crazy. But in joining with the Holy Spirit in truth means that the truth will always be there. You have free will, and you can choose to maintain any number of illusions. And at times they may seem more real to you than the Holy Spirit. And the experience of the Holy Instant may fade to the background, but it is eternal because it happens outside of the restriction of time. And the reality of it is inescapable because its timelessness is a reflection of your own. Does that make sense? Oh, that's just beautiful. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you, you definitely want to put all this together in a book somewhere. Um, I love it. I love it. That's the point. Yeah, it not only makes sense, um, I don't think there's a lot more to say about that paragraph. Uh, it reminds me of the introduction, you know, to A Course in Miracles, which which is such a beautifully condensed um, what a, a beautiful condensation of the entire message. And it basically says, you know, um, this is a course in miracles. It's a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you can elect what you want to take at a given time. In other words, you can't change reality. We can't make God be something not God. We can't kill God. We can't, you know, we can just dive deeper into a dream uh, and and get lost for a while, or we can say, slow down, I need to take the lessons one at a time. And what this paragraph is talking about is, yeah, you know, for a time, here in time, we'll still try to bring illusions into the holy instant because, I don't know, I mean, how many people do you know, Shar, who are in that holy instant all the time? Um, I don't think I know a one. Maybe I can think of one or two people who are pretty close to that, um, you know, but but it's not even asking us to do that. It's asking us to want to be there. It's it's saying that this is where you want to be going. Um, and, of course, you're going to bring illusions into it because, you know, that's the world we've been living in. But to go back to the paragraph, yet the holy instant is eternal, and your illusions of time will not prevent the timeless from being what it is. You know, you can't change reality. There's um, a great little line somewhere in the course about, you know, do you think you can change the tides in the ocean by throwing a stick in the water? Um, and that that's what the ego is like. 
you know, no, you, you mm. can't change any of that. You know, it's at a level that's so completely different than the level that you operate from. But the principle mm-hmm. of atonement is there for all of us. We are all on this path. We are all, um, you know, taking this same curriculum. We get to choose when we want to take something, but we don't get to choose the curriculum because we can't change, you know, we can't change the timeless. So, yeah, that's that's the yeah. only um, sort of resonance from that. Back to you. And and the illusions of time substitute the word uh, the word past for time. The, your illusions of the past. It's all about your attachment. So the illusions that you bring to the holy instant are the things that you're attached most to. So the practice then is in relinquishing those those attachments, so that you can be in the moment, be neutral, and allow that moment to be what it is. Yeah, I exactly. I think that's all I had to add. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That those attachments. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can't relinquish them until we see them and, and until we recognize that they're hurting us. And All not right. only um, us, but the collective, because everything we think, say, and do impacts the collective. Absolutely. And, and yeah. you know, you, the power of thought is so immense that everything that you think reverberates throughout the world and in the minds of others, there's a connection. We're all connected. So it reverberates throughout the world and into the ethers. So we want to clean up. I always say to my students, we're all business owners. Your mind is your business, and you need to mind your business. And so by (laughs) keeping that as clean as possible, by clean meaning judgment-free, without hateful thoughts, vengeful thoughts, attack thoughts. For me, that's the goal, is to clear that out. Make sense? It's the goal for, I think, each one of us. And, you know, yeah. that's kind of the um, the holographic nature of the atonement, if you will. We each have our own little piece of it. And to the extent that we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us, we'll be guided and directed to do those things and say those things and encounter those people that we need to. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately, yes, you know, we're all one mind, Um you know, there's a, a lesson uh, 340-something, uh, 346, I think. Um, forgiveness forgiveness lets me know that minds are joined. Well, they're joined because at the level of God, there's only one mind, the one mind of God's Son, of which we are not a part. We are it. But got split up and shattered and so here we are feeling like individual minds so your prescription there Shar, is is so spot on you know you want to change i mean you say it at the start of your show you know basically you want to change the world change your mind Um, because that's all that you're really in control of but that's not a little thing i mean that's that's all you can be in control of and that's the whole that's the whole shebang right there you know it's all all your mind that's all there is yeah that's you I mean, you're in an individualized body with a seeming, seeming individual mind with different perspectives, you know, perspectives and perceptions. But we are all of, of one mind, individualized, to learn about the separation and to, yeah. to go into that union and, and reach the atonement. That's what this is all about. Yes. So, I'm having fun. Yes, yes, okay. yes. 
All right, paragraph eight, um, and this is jumping off of that last line about, you know, the holy instant is eternal, and your illusions of time will not prevent the timeless from being what it is, nor you from experiencing as it is. Okay, experiencing it as it is. Paragraph eight, what God has given you is truly given and will be truly received. For God's gifts have no reality apart from your receiving them. Your receiving completes his giving. You will receive because it is his will to give. He gave the holy instant to be given you, and it is impossible that you receive it not because he gave it. When he willed that his son be free, his son was free. In the holy instant is his reminder that his son will always be exactly as he was created. And everything the Holy Spirit teaches is to remind you that you have received what God has given. So quite simply, this is, it's kind of um, a follow-on or a corollary to what we were just saying about you can't change God. You can't change reality. You know, you can, you can dream for a while, but your dream isn't going to change it. You can throw a lot of sticks into the ocean, but you're never going to change the tidal patterns. So what this is saying is God gave you reality. God extended his love to create you. Um, and God gave you the holy instant through the Holy Spirit as your way back to your um, reality. It's, it's, it's your reminder that you are as he created you. And because of the nature of God, the moment he gives it, you have to receive it. It's already there. We can turn away. I mean, you know, someone can leave the package outside your door and you can go, well, I don't see any package there and I'm not opening my door. And I, I don't no, There's nothing there. But the package is sitting there waiting until you say, all right, I'm going to open the door and I'm going to take it in. Um, so you can't deny the gift of God. You can simply deny your perception of it and letting it in. He gave the holy instant to be given you, and it is impossible that you receive it not because he gave it. The act of giving implies the receiving. So when it tells us that um, you know, your receiving completes his giving, a lot of newer students hear that as, oh, well, God is incomplete because I haven't received his giving. No, 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 no. God is fully complete. You're the one who's dreaming that you're incomplete because you don't remember that you've received his giving. And therefore, you're in this bubble of time um, living through this one instant, which is really nothing but a holy instant, over and over and over again. Because, you know, your ego, which you've identified with, tells you that you're unworthy of that gift. But he gave it, therefore, ipso facto, you have received it. That's how the game, that's how the world works. That's how reality works. Um, you have no choice in that. Your only choice lies in, you know, when you want to look at it. All right. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it was great. I'm, I'm sitting here nodding. Like, preach, preach. Amen. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, okay, so I'll, I'll add to that with this. The reality of God's gifts to us is that they were given, that is that as they were given, they were received. You cannot break from his will. You can only invest in illusions and torture yourself with them so that the ego's argument that you are separate from him seems valid. If God has given us, given all of us truth in the holy instant through the Holy Spirit, then it is within us and only needs recognition and acceptance. Ask that the Holy Spirit remind you of this when you want to give up. 
No matter what you're feeling, no matter the depths of your despair, what you truly need has already been given you because it is God's will that you have it. And I want to tack on to what you said. Like you, like you said, I'm not going to open my door. Okay, there's, there might be a package outside, but I, I don't mm-hmm. choose to receive it. But it's already been delivered. Yes. You can just choose to <laughs> exactly. overlook it. It's been delivered, you know. So exactly. when we do I, that, I see nodding. that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yes. when we do that, yes. where's the mind at in that moment? You're focusing on lack. I, I, want, I need something, whether you can name it or not, but God won't give it to me. But it's on your doorstep. You just have to bring it in and incorporate it into your existence, into your conscious recognition. But I've heard hundreds of times, everything you need is within you. For any problem that you have, there is a solution. And so in terms of seeing God for who he really is and for who you really are as an extension of him, perhaps you need to turn at laser focus that we generally reserve for other people on ourselves and look at what needs to be forgiven within ourselves so that we can see that love that is there. Any thoughts for that? No, I I think that that's a pretty great summation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you get it, you really get it. And, and so, and, and that's not a tool with which to beat yourself up and say, oh, I'm a bad person or I'm flawed or I'm damaged goods. None of us are, no matter how you feel about yourself. And so it's about peeling away those layers so that you reach that level of self-acceptance so that you can see your true value in God's eyes. Like I always say, you've got to see yourself through God's eyes, not your own, and other people. Look at it through his eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit. Teach me the right interpretation of this. Tell me what it's for. Not why it's happening, but what is this for? What am I supposed to be aware of within myself? Because there must be something, because I'm observing and witnessing this in the first place. Exactly. That's where I like to go in in terms of thought process. Make sense? Yeah. Um, You know, I I, I want to key on your your term self-acceptance. That's exactly it. But let's just make sure we're spelling self with a capital S. Because ultimately... All of it, the whole path of forgiveness is about peeling away all the stuff that isn't you and isn't me and isn't us, um, all of that illusionary um, layering to get back to accepting what is self, which is only what God created and therefore only love and only oneness. Anything that's not that, it's, it's not self. It's not you. It's not me. Um, it's an obstacle to the awareness of love's presence, as the introduction to the course would put it. And what mm-hmm. do you do with an obstacle? You remove it. Once you're aware it's there. You know. Yes. And I'll add to that by saying what God did create was your higher self, capital S, like you said. Yep. And so your higher self chose to inhabit the body that you're in, the illusory body that you're in right now, in an illusion of time on a planet the lower self. And so, yes, operating from the higher self, as I say frequently on the show and to my clients, strive to operate from your higher self, not the lower self, because that's where the truth lies. The ego is so staticky 
and in, in the way 24-7. And so whether you meditate or whether you set an intention before you go to sleep, I allow my higher self to teach me what is real. And that's a good way to counteract the effects of the ego throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have to be on point with Holy Spirit 24-7. In the section Rules for Decision at the beginning of Chapter 30, it says if you set your mind, if you set your course at the beginning of the day in the direction that says I will make no decisions by myself today, in the recognition that you can't, if you make a decision quote-unquote by yourself, you are necessarily making a decision out of an illusion because you are not by yourself. You are part of that collective that Shara was talking about. You are part of the one mind of God. So by recognizing that and saying, I'll make no decisions by myself, by setting your course at the beginning of the day, and by doing the same thing at the end of the day, giving your dreams to Holy Spirit, um, looking back on the day and, in a sense, releasing, forgiving any place where you happen to forget or get stuck, um, you're doing what you need to do and you will increasingly move through time as, as kind of a, an actor in a play um, being directed by Holy Spirit, but with an increasingly present and ongoing awareness that the real you is this infinite space of love and oneness that you can tap into, call upon when needed And, you know, when you're driving in your car on the busy freeway, no, you don't tap into Holy Spirit that way. You say, help, guide me, uh, you know, um, but, uh, you know, for driving your car, you want your body and you want to be focused and aware. But that oneness, it's there. It's, it's, I was going to say behind the scenes, but even that's not really accurate, um, you know, because there is no behind the scenes. So that, what you were talking about, you know, setting that intention um, is is how we learn this. Um, and, yeah, you don't feel guilty about, you know, the lapses because they're inevitable. I mean, you know, the, the, the voice of the Course says it took us so long to learn the world of perception, to teach ourselves that we are separate from God. And I think that's both this lifetime, all the learning that we talk, took, and the collective, the whole march away from oneness and away from God into duality and separation. Does it, you know, you're an amazing learner. You taught yourself what can't be taught. So how easy is it to go the other way with this perfect teacher, Holy Spirit, and learn what is real, you know, no resistance, but just set the intention. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, good, it's good stuff. Here's an even today. bigger well. Here's an even bigger well I have to point out. Every month, the day before we teach A Course in Miracles, I have Mother Mary on. And you said two things that she said yesterday. You talked about two things that she said yesterday. Yes. It's it's been happening consistently. About resistance. Uh Uh-huh. About resistance and capital S. That's pretty neat. I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, well, thank you for that. We're going to run out of time. Well, I'm sorry, yeah, so we should probably move on here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Paragraph 9. There is nothing you can hold against reality. All that must be forgiven are the illusions you have held against your brothers. 
Their reality has no past, and only illusions can be forgiven. God holds nothing against anyone, for he is incapable of illusions of any. <coughs> Excuse me. Very congested today. For he is incapable of illusions of any kind. Release your brothers from the slavery of their illusions by forgiving them for the illusions you perceive in them. Thus, you will learn that you have been forgiven, for it is you who offer them illusions. In the holy instant, this is done for you in time to bring you the true condition of heaven. Okay. That's interesting. It's one of those ones you might want to read a few times. But here's what I get out of it. Reality, true reality, cannot be touched. It cannot be stretched or manipulated to match your fantasies of vengeance and hatred and victimhood. All that you need to do is recognize that what you are blaming in your brother or sister, who are you, is of a different fabric than you think it is. You can say, quote, but he did this, and, quote, she said that. But to withhold forgiveness for something that is perceived in another, which is based solely on your past, rather than asking the Holy Spirit for the truth, the holy instant, only hurts you. God holds nothing against you, so extend to your brother what you have been given. And whatever it is in your past that took your attention away from who you truly are, forgive that as well. The goal of the holy instant is to reflect that, that truth back to you so that you can remember who you truly are, even in the face of this difficult plane of illusion, is true reality. And what is real cannot be threatened. It can only be denied for a short time. The holy instant breaks you out of time so that you can see the, the eternity that was placed in your heart when you were created by God. That's what I get from that paragraph. Uh, yeah, that's lovely. I mean, I, I don't know that I need to say much about this one because it's kind of the, the summation of everything we've been saying about the last three you know, you can't mm-hmm. change God, can't hold anything against reality. Um, we're here to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. That's forgiveness. That's our job. Uh, we can't do that on our own, but we do it by, um, you know, by letting uh, the Holy Spirit take care of us. And that the past is over. You know, the reality of illusions has no past, and only illusions can be forgiven. You know, you don't forgive truth. There's nothing there. God holds nothing against anyone. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's a great it's a great paragraph and I agree with you it's one that is worth going back to and reading again um maybe you know after listening to all that we've just talked about because it, it it's all in here it's all in here and we don't mm-hmm. get to we don't get to experience our own forgiveness until we can see it around us in our brothers and this is the unique Advantage that A Course in Miracles offers that I do not see in any other spiritual path. The idea that you forgive your brothers and sisters in order to recognize your oneness with them, and therein lies your forgiveness of yourself. You know, that, mm. there it is. That's, that's the Course in a nutshell. Interesting. I want to add a, a little bit about resistance, what was said yesterday. What was said was that resistance is neutral, which was rather startling to me. Resistance is neutral, but you can apply it to the light or the dark. So, when mm-hmm. it comes to forgiving someone for a perceived injustice, if you're reluctant to do that, if you're resisting, look within, and what we said was that you can take that resistance and apply it to something else. So, if, if you're resistant to forgiving the other person, look within yourself and ask for resistance against holding it against yourself, holding, holding that 
it's like holding a lit match and hoping it won't burn you. What's yeah, your resistance exactly. in letting it go? Or, you know, or poisoning yourself hoping it'll affect someone else. What's your resistance to, to not hurting yourself anymore, not holding yourself to blame? So when you see resistance to something you know you should do, maybe you don't feel capable of it in that moment. But you can, you can flip that around by saying, okay, well, I'm taking all this resistance, and I'm going to apply it to whatever's stopping me from doing this. Pretty good way to it go. Reminds me, I thought it was pretty cool. It reminds me. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. I just thought that was really. Um, it just reminds yeah. me of something, you know, uh, the course talks about that you can use the defense mechanism of denial in two ways. You know, denial can be, um, I'm not going to look at what's real as, as we psychologically understand it. You know, oh my God, you know, there's uh, my car has making a sound. Well, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to keep driving. There's nothing wrong. Um, you know, I remember when I was an, an intern in the hospital, uh, a woman who had stage four breast cancer. I mean, this, you know, very obvious lesion. And it was and she was in total denial, which is why the psychiatry uh, psychiatrist got called in. You know, she was like, no, no, there's, there's nothing there. There's nothing wrong. But the course says you can use denial in service of truth. And what that is, is it's the denial of the denial of truth. We deny that, you know, we, all of our active illusion stuff, well, we deny that. And that's, that's like, you know, changing the resistance, you, you know, resist the resistance, if you will. Um, there you go. So anything given to the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit's job is to reinterpret everything here so that it's congruent with love, oneness, forgiveness, the atonement. Um, anything we turn over, he can use. Perfect. And, and, yes, if you want to read that paragraph again, you know, after hearing all of this, set that denial right in place. I, I, I deny the denial of truth and then read it again and let it sink in. Yes. Relinquish your ego to the best of your ability. Listen to other segments where I teach people how to do that. Okay. All right, paragraph 10. Remember mm-hmm. that you always choose between truth and illusion, between the real atonement that would heal and the ego's, quote, unquote, atonement that would destroy. The power of God and all his love without limit will support you as you seek only your place in the plan of atonement arising from his love. Be an ally of God and not the ego in seeking how atonement can come to you. His help suffices for his messenger, capital M, his messenger understands how to restore the kingdom to you and to place all your investment in salvation in your relationship with him. So, um, again, it's just making that clear distinction that there is no in-between. Either we're choosing and deciding for truth or we're being hoodwinked and choosing for illusion. Um, but the the power of God and all his love without limit, I mean, that can bring tears to my eyes, will support you. You know, um, other places in the course it says you have no idea how much support you have in, in following the plan of atonement and, and in, in, in Holy Spirit helping you. And that if that wasn't there, we'd, we'd be lost. We'd be cast into oblivion and, in a sense, lost to our own, you know, nightmare dreams. But no, the entire power of God and all his love without limit is there to support this. That's, you know, that's all there is. And that's why it then says his help suffices. Um, it's, and, and, you know, 
when we read that, it's like, oh, well, you know, it just suffices. Yeah, well, sufficiency means it's everything you need. You need nothing else. His help suffices. Um, you know, there's another lesson that says, you know, I have no cause for anger or for fear because, you know, your grace surrounds me. And in everything I do, uh, you know, your grace suffices me. Um, you know, your love surrounds me. Your grace suffices me. We don't need anything else. But but I think this just emphasizes the vast force, the will of God that stands behind you learning what you need to learn or actually unlearning what you need to unlearn. And there's mm-hmm. an inevitability in that. And the ego doesn't like that. The ego goes, what, you're forcing this on me? Um, no, there's no forcing. Uh, you know, um, there, there, there's absolutely no forcing. Uh, you know, there's another place in the course where it says, you know, you know, um, he shares his will with you. He does not thrust it upon you. But like that gift that we talked about that's outside the door, um, it, it's there. It's waiting, and it's not a little box. You open that door, and what comes through is reality itself, capital R, love itself, capital L. Um, so, you know, how can we lose? It, you know, it can't not work. It just plays out through time. And, yes, in the world of time, there are those moments where we feel pretty lousy, where we feel pretty cut off from God's love, um, but it's there. And I just want to say in the last line of this paragraph, which sets up, you know, what follows, it says, and place all your investment in salvation in your relationship with him, capital H. So it's really kind of telling us that our, our primary relationship, the relationship that brings salvation, is our relationship with God and Holy Spirit, you know, with, in his messenger, that when we recognize that is where we stand in relationship to, um, then all of our seemingly separate relationships here on earth fall into alignment. It's like, you know, those, that experiment that you do in, you know, high school or grade school with iron filings and you pour them out and they're, it's just chaos. They're all over, Um, And then you put a piece of paper over it and put a magnet on it. And in that magnetic field, they all line up in the magnetic field that the Holy Spirit represents. When we allow him to realign all of our relationships, they all line up in love. They are all ultimately one and the same. They are all ultimately God and God's love because that's all we are. Teach Mm. only love because that is what you are. That's beautiful. Um, and and I know we have a million disappointments in our lives, but I think it's a beautiful thing to be able and to be capable of taking all those disappointments and transforming them into glory in your relationship mm-hmm. with God. They're so petty. They really are. They're so petty, yeah. so small, so little. But the, the, the power of God and, and the love of God is so vast. It's beyond description. And so you can transform that. You can't fix it. You can't change it, but you can transform it. That's good stuff. That was great. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Paragraph. Oh, let me read my thoughts. I didn't. No, you're up to 11. I mean, on paragraph 10. Did I read my I didn't read my thoughts on that. Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. In every moment, you have a choice, atonement or revenge. The power of God is limitless. It is only we who can place limits on what we would allow that power to do for us. 
Join with God in your quest for peace so that he can deliver it and you from your illusions of vengeance. Special relationships are incapable of offering salvation or deliverance, for they are its opposite. Your relationship with God is where salvation lies and the recognition of his love for you. Deny that love and you deny yourself, and the ego says that the only remedy for this is a special relationship. Deny this and embrace truth. This is the holiest of relationships. This is the holiest of relationships, and your devotion to its embrace will lead you to the loving, holy, devoted relationship you are looking for. Hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, Let's move on bad. to paragraph 11. What's that? <laughs> Do we have time? Uh, we're, I know we're at the hour. Is this going to cut us off? or? Yeah, and I'm going to be doing some editing. But, um, yeah, we just have paragraph 11 and then the prayer. Okay, great, great. Oh, Let's no, it won't cut us off. Though. I give us extra time. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so paragraph 11. Seek and find his message in the holy instant, his, capital H, where all illusions are forgiven. From there, the miracle extends to bless everyone and to resolve all problems, be they perceived as great or small, possible or impossible. There is nothing that will give place to him and to his majesty. There is nothing that will not give place to him and to his majesty. To join in close relationship with him is to accept relationships as real and through their reality to give over all illusions for the reality of your relationship with God. Praise be to your relationship with him and to no other. The truth lies there and nowhere else. You choose this or nothing. Wow. So, (laughs) seek but do not find is of the ego. This is a promise that what you truly seek can be found in the holy instant. How does the miracle extend to bless everyone and resolve all problems? Because what is in you is what you extend, and because the perception of those problems is an illusion. Problems are, quote, situational mirrors. Situational mirrors. Let me start again. Problems are, quote, unquote, situational mirrors created to teach you something about yourself. Relationships are the vehicles who deliver those mirrors. What you are denying or holding back from yourself, the truth of who you are and the falsehood of who you are are not. The ego places things in categories. Let me reread that. Hmm. Relationships are the vehicles to deliver those mirrors. What you are denying or holding back from yourself. The truth of who you are and the falsehood of who you are not. The ego places things in categories of big and small, worthy or unworthy, guilty or sinless. <clears throat> there is no difference in the sizes that we apply to these situations. It's the same energy that created them. We only perceive them differently to gauge the threat they hold over us and the impact of the loss they may result in. To join in close relationship with him, God, is to believe in the reality of love out of which we are all created. Believe in the reality of your relationship with God over the illusions of your faulty alliances. Honor your relationship with God above all others, and all other relationships will be seen as they are. Your ultimate choice is between truth and illusion. What will you choose to see? As it states in Lesson 34, you can see peace instead of this. Determine to see it all differently. If you're having trouble, turn to the workbook lessons to guide you. That's what I got out of paragraph 11. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, very, very eloquent. Uh, the first line, seek and find, and find is italicized for emphasis, um, sort of harkens back to a section in Chapter 12 of the text called Seeking and Finding, where it basically tells us that the ego's 
the ego's motto, if you will, is seek and do not find. That the ego want the ego loves the fact that we're we're looking, um, because that gives the ego the opportunity to say, "Ooh, look over here!" No, no, ooh, look over mm-hmm. there! Um, you know, like a little kid distracted by all kinds of goodies. Um, but that we never will find what we truly want, what we truly seek um, in the ego's world. So the ego has a seeking and not finding. Well, here's here's the solution. Here's the antidote: seek and find his message where. Oh, in the holy instant where all illusions are forgiven, in the eternal present moment where the, which the past can't touch by definition because the past is illusion and where the future doesn't exist because the future is just our projection outward of what we think happened in the past. Um, you know, the holy, the holy instant is, 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 is the antidote um, for, uh, for all, for, for it, it's what we find. It, it, it is what dissolves away the illusions. Um, it, this section um, talks again about to join in close relationship with him is to accept relationships as real. Very interesting little line. In other words, when we recognize and join in a relationship with him, capital H, with Holy Spirit as God's agent, if you will, then all of our relationships become real because we're seeing them through the lens of the Holy Spirit and recognizing in them only what is real, the love of God. And all that other stuff, all the illusions of bigger, smaller, they're better than I am, they're worse than I am, they have something that I need that I don't have, all of that just dissolves away because we've, again, aligned with Holy Spirit. Um, And... You know, so joining in close relationship with him allows our relationships to become real and through their reality to give over all illusions, let go of all illusions for the reality of our relationship with God, which is the only real relationship we have. Remember, in truth, we aren't related to each other. We're one with each other. Relationship presupposes a two-ness. Relationship is, is, is what happens here in, in, the, in the world of duality where we think we're all separate. That's okay. It's the stepping stone back to God. I'm actually writing a chapter about this right now in a book on relationships and forgiveness. Um, Each relationship offers a stepping stone back towards oneness. Um, But in oneness, there isn't relationship. The only, or rather the only relationship is the relationship of the one son to God. And even that isn't a relationship because the one son is an extension of God. They're, they're not dissimilar in any way. They're, they're identical mm. except for the fact that God is the cause God created. Um, God created his son, but in terms of what they are, they're completely identical. And then mm. finally, and it says the truth lies there and nowhere else. You choose this or nothing. Another one of those great course lines, um, you know, that, that sort of is layered in meaning. You know, you can choose reality. If you're not choosing reality, you actually are choosing nothingness. And when you choose nothingness, you go to sleep. You go into the dream. You're imagining all kinds of, you know, nightmarish things. We're playing with children's toys, as a different section of the text talks about. So you choose reality or you choose nothing. But, but again, the choice for nothing isn't a real choice. We're not really able to make it. It's just a temporary diversion. So ultimately, we've already chosen reality. You know, God's will was 
yo, everybody, here's the holy instant. Join it. Join Holy Spirit. Wake up. Okay, great. You did that. But we're, you know, we're, we, 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 we keep dreaming this dream, this one instant in time where we seemed to be separate over and over again. Um, and therefore, we think we're choosing nothing instead of God. Only we see in that nothing a somethingness. There's, there's, nothing in some, there's nothing in the somethingness of dreaming. So this section just reminds us that we have a way to seek and find his message, the only truth in the holy instant, in, in the eternal now moment, um, in the only moment that actually ever exists and ever really existed. Um, any other thoughts? No, I'm writing that down. There's nothing in the somethingness of dreaming. Exactly. I like <laughs> it that. It all starts sounding very, um, you know, we, we end up sort of, I think, taxing language itself because we're we're using it in service of truth and it wasn't created for that you know words were not made to convey truth but given to the holy spirit like like we're doing here yeah they they take on a different purpose and and we actually start to get the transmission from the course you choose this or nothing um but ultimately we can't choose nothing we can only imagine that we're choosing nothing yeah, you can. Your choices are true reality with a capital R, or a limitless void of emptiness. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And illusion, and and misperception, and and pain. It's all very yes. painful. Yes. Wow. Good and stuff. And that's where well, most of next... us find ourselves. Right. Now, before I read this last paragraph, I just want to say, um, this this is all italicized, so that means. It's a prayer in, in mm-hmm. the text. And when Helen Schuckman first channeled this, or <clears throat> excuse me, my throat, I guess I'm a little gunky today too. Um, mm-hmm. This last section, all in italics, is a prayer. And when Helen Schuckman first heard it uh, dictated to her, it scared her because she recognized that it was a riff on, on the Lord's Prayer. And she said to Bill Thetford, you know, wow, it's really flipped its lid this time. Listen to what it's doing. And when Bill heard it, of course, he recognized those those strains of the Lord's Prayer, those resonances in it. And this became one of his, um, you know, favorite sections in the course. And when we read it, we'll see it's it's affirming everything we've talked about. It's 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 a grand wrap up but done in a very poetic way and talking about, you know, forgiveness, forgetfulness, and temptation. And the only real temptation is to fall into this world of illusions and nothingness and not recognize it for what it is. So on that note, Mm. I think I'll go ahead and read it. Well, before you do, let me just thank you for another wonderful segment. We're going to have this serve as our prayer for the segment, which we usually end right after. Uh, um, yes. So thank you once again, and this was a wonderful discussion, and um, it's nice that we're at the end of this section, and we'll we'll decide going forward where to pick up next, and uh, those topics will be announced, ladies and gentlemen, those chapters and whatnot, and we thank you so much yeah. for tuning in. Yeah, we'll be keeping this format of reading and and doing a very close reading of each of, of you know paragraph by paragraph. But mm-hmm. we're going to ask Holy Spirit, um, you know, for some guidance on where to um, where to take this up next. 
because uh, you know there's just so much. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is this has been very very um, worthwhile and and I thank you, Shar, for saying you know let's spend a year focused on you know really understanding special relationships. I mean, I've certainly learned a lot, and it's going to help me um, with this next book that I'm writing. So uh, fabulous! Thank you. Can't wait to read it. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Here is our prayer, read by Dr. Bob. Okay. Paragraph 12. Forgive us our illusions, Father, and help us to accept our true relationship with you, in which there are no illusions, and where none can ever enter. Our holiness is yours. What can there be in us that needs forgiveness, when yours is perfect? The sleep of forgetfulness is only the unwillingness to remember your forgiveness and your love. Let us not wander into temptation, for the temptation of the Son of God is not your will. And let us receive only what you have given, and accept but this into the minds which you created and which you love. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, God bless and be at peace. Spiritual Insights, everyone, and our virtual class for A Course in Miracles with Robert Rosenthal, MD. Dr. Bob joins me on the second Thursday of the month to break down and interpret specific sections of the course. Dr. Bob joins me on the second Thursday of the month to break down and interpret specific sections of the course. For the, for, for the past year, we've been focusing on special relationships. We continue to do that now, and we'll see where this takes us in the future. A Course in Miracles is published by the Foundation for Inner Peace, where Dr. Bob has served on the board of directors since 1992 and now serves as co-president. He was a close personal friend and protege of Bill Thetford, Ph.D., co-scribe of the course, and has been familiar with his teachings and has been familiar with his teachings since before it was published. He is the author of From Plagues to Miracles: The Transformational Journey of Exodus from the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, which interprets the biblical story of Exodus and demonstrates the ego's perception of life's conditions. To connect. Visit FromPlagueToMiracles.com and you can read excerpts or purchase From Plagues to Miracles to add this to your spiritual library. You can also visit ACIM, as in A Course in Miracles, ACIM.org to learn more about the course and purchase and tune into weekly virtual classes. There are a lot of resources on the website, so you might want to check that out. To hear other episodes and study with us, review the archives at SpiritualInsightsRadio.com. Today's topic, we will be discussing Chapter 16, Section 7, Paragraphs 6 through 12. For today's topic, we'll be picking up where we left off in Chapter 16, Section 7, with Paragraphs 6 through 12, and we'll interpret those for you. Well, join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. Welcome back, Dr. Bob. How are you? 